Okay, okay, three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the N17 podcast. Glenn, you've just coughed all over my intro, oh, man. No. That's terrible. Oh, no. <laughs> That's terrible. He's trying to... It, it felt as like if you waited for the intro to start. He's trying to sabotage. I was trying to hold it already. in. It was even worse. I tried to hold it in. Well, the listeners have heard you both now. I'm joined by Glenn and I'm joined by Eddie. And um, they're dissecting what was a, a pretty tough result to take against Arsenal. Um, first, we actually mentioned this on the, on the last pod. Uh, every time since we've been doing this pod, we've beaten Arsenal. So this is a new experience for us having to kind of lick our wounds after a Derby Day defeat. How are you guys feeling after that, actually? Um, I can't lie. Um, it was a bit of a low-key traumatic, traumatic experience. I'll say it. I'm obviously no, no, obviously not taking away from actual trauma. Um, football is a game, you know, eleven v eleven of guys kicking the ball around the pitch for ninety minutes. But the emotional, the the way you buy into it emotionally means that a result, which means as much as this one does, when it goes against you. Um, it's quite tough to take because you can you can almost you can almost say oh well we played well we lost the game on on a matter of football can on 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 a derby day anything can happen but watching that game um, it was horrible because aside from a moment of brilliance um, from Lamella there was just nothing to be nothing to be positive about because the approach was awful the play was awful. And the fact that Arsenal looked so much more comfortable, I wouldn't even say better, because I don't think they were a better team. They were just so much more comfortable on the day and wanted it so much more that it was kind of like the least you expect on the derby days that your team gives gives as much as it takes. And we just didn't. And it was horrible. Yeah, Eddie, I noticed that you took it badly because... Uh... I felt like in the WhatsApp chat you were you were lashing out at me when I when I mentioned that I thought Lamella should have stayed on the pitch. I think I think I became the target of your anger there. Um, you know, I always stick up for my boy Eric, and uh, you know, maybe maybe I'm like maybe I'm like that mother with with that that kid who's a little shit at school, and uh, I see him as an angel. But um, yeah, we'll get into that later. We'll get into the 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 Lamella melodrama. I guess uh, the the lamella drama. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I will. We'll call it that. Um, but yeah, Glenn. Yeah, I think Eddie's kind of touched on it a little bit. But do you want to go up? Go into how you saw the difference in the between the starting lineup, which looked quite attacking, and the approach that we took to the game. What was all that about? Yeah, I, th- I think a few of like the the Spurs journalists actually touched on this a little bit but they were really shocked in the way that the team sat back and the almost the complete opposite of what Jose was asking for they I think uh, Ali Gold said this was the first time he saw like Jose screaming at the players like actually mad at them like saying like get up get up press 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 and all this and they were just sitting back and and apparently every, every minute that Jose was doing this. The players just sort of looking at him like, oh, "We're not sure, not sure what to do here." And it was, it was really like quite shocking. I think part of the reason why it might have happened is because of what happened with Son. I really going back to that actually. old that 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 old that old thing that Spurs always do 
one thing goes against us and the heads go down and we don't know what to do. We don't know how to pick ourselves up. It takes a half-time whistle or uh, something big like a red card or a penalty happening before we wake up. Son, Son went off injured and we, and we looked at each other and we thought like, our, well, our team looked at each other and went like, oh, what do we do now? Sort of thing. Like, the, he, he's the massive focal point of our press. Um, what are we supposed to do here? And I think it's. I think we didn't want to concede early, which might have been part of the reason why we weren't reasonably defensive in the first ten minutes. And then the Son thing sort of like exacerbated that. And then we went in at half time, and came out like actually, like kicking and screaming to stop what what had happened in the first half. Really. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with that. That was that was actually going to be my point. I didn't put that on the running order either. I was I thought I was going to be really clever making that point because I haven't seen too many people say it. But mm-hmm. I, yeah, I do think it was one of those things where you know when you play a derby against a team which is below you in the table and you know they're not on your level currently. Um, although on the evidence of that match, we definitely I thought we looked second best, but. Anyway, I've seen that happen a million times against people like West Ham, um, uh-huh. where you go in as favourites and they just, they're so up for it. They press you, they harry you, and they have the better of the, the opening stages of the game. It's about how you react to, the, to those opening stages. And I think Son getting injured when he did was just, in was a in way... That pivotal moment where, yeah, pivotal where we moment, saw, exactly. I, I, I saw the start of a press. And in, mm. just before he got injured, I saw the start of like a more pressing team. And it was in such a pivotal moment where the game could have changed a lot. And we do normally get really good sort of like just before halftime goals against Arsenal in, pre- in previous years, like or just before the final whistle and like really finish like half strong. And in that pivotal moment where I thought the, the sort of the balance of the game was going to tip, we lose like one of our top three players. Yeah. And not only that, but I feel like um, I was, I, I listened to a fantasy football podcast and they were talking about like, um, obviously there's a blank game week coming up uh, where other teams are playing in the FA cup and Spurs will be playing in the premier league. So they were talking about who to like captain from Tottenham and who to target to like bring in. And they were talking about how Son has literally become one of the most creative players in the league over the past four weeks. Mm-hmm. So I think he's made the most big chances and um, he has, uh, I think, like the second most key passes, which is not really what we associate with Son. We associate Son with being a finisher. So yeah. I personally, I have a lot of sympathy for Jose losing Son at that stage of the game because we looked completely clueless once Son went off in terms of attacking. I kind of felt it as a fan. I was like, God, what is the plan here with Lamella, Lucas, Bale and Kane? Like, I didn't know how we were going to attack. I think the one point where I would criticise Mourinho is something which I was saying on WhatsApp um, was that I think once Lamella was on there and we saw how Bale was making no effort to defend Doherty, Doherty was just essentially naked on the right, naked and scared up against um, (laughs) Smith Rowe and and Odegaard and Tierney who were teaming up on him. They were looking really, really good. Um, And I thought plug the gap, put Lamella there. Like, I know he doesn't fancy Bale as the number 10 for whatever reason, but the guy was uh, like, th- there was that meme doing the rounds on Twitter of that guy uh, 
smoking a zoo at Power League. I've got a question. Is that not Davido? It, I, I think it's. I think it. I think it's the the artist Davido. I'm not sure. I think I that's think him. It is. I'm I think not he sure. Looks, I don't exactly like him. I think it is. Does Davido have that thought, thick beard? I'm not sure. Point, really. Yeah, I, I actually, I actually thought that um, the Lamella sub wasn't even that bad, it, even if he was playing in the centre. I thought we should have brought Sissoko on earlier. That that was my personal opinion. I thought we should have brought him on earlier. Plug that gap on the right hand side, maybe pushed Ndombele up into that centre attacking midfield, and I would, I would have taken Bale off. Really, okay. I would have taken Bale off and, and had and had Lamella on the right hand side. Um, I would have I left him on just so that we had a bit more threat on the counter. Yeah. I feel or like really, once, yeah. once he went, or or have them in like a rotation and maybe even taken Dombele off because Could, or, or yeah. Hoybier, because Hoybier was had a very poor game. It, I think it kind of went under the radar how how poor oh, a game Hoyzy yeah, had. Bad. He he yeah. really didn't have a good game, and he didn't he didn't help uh, Doherty's situation at all. Maybe it's because he plays slightly more on the left and was sort of covering Reggion, but that right hand side just looked open. We looked like we were bending over, just like looking to get rasped by Arsenal's left hand side. It was really that bad. But Bale just didn't know. Like he, he was looking around, like he didn't know what he was doing. I don't think it was even that he, he didn't know what he was doing. And when I put uh, marking thin air, yeah. When I put something out for um, uh, put out a request for questions for the pod, my mate who who does support like legitimately supports Real Madrid because his dad is from Spain. Um, so he's one of the few legitimate Real Madrid supporters that like doesn't live in Madrid. Um, but he was like, that performance was exactly why we disliked Bale. And the, you know, I'm always going to stand up for Bale, but he was like, I just couldn't understand why he was making no effort to get back. For me, yeah, I think it was a lack of effort, personally. And I don't want to dig Bale out too much, but I don't know why he couldn't have tucked in a bit more, got back a bit more, because Doherty was was struggling so much. Equally, I think if we were to keep Bale on, I, I still think Aurier would have done a better job than Doherty. Completely agree. I think Eddie, Eddie will have some good points on this one for sure. So I am um, the 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 thing about this performance is Jed, who's who's unable to make the podcast today. Um, me and Jed hopped onto um, PlayStation just to have a talk about the game. Essentially, just have a, a bit of a rant, kind of like a kind of like a therapy session after something happens almost. Um, and the point that we kept on coming to is similar to this is. If the setup was initially um, for us to play with Bailson, Lucas, uh, and Kane, um, we've seen that in action before. Perhaps it wasn't flowing as much as um, we'd want it to, but in terms of effective counter-attacking play, it was really, really good. And I think the imbalance between the the start and lineup and the way we played was it worked so much against us. That when Son went off, once you have that plan out the window, it means that what Bell was good at, which is switching play and bringing in the likes of Reguilón and Son, because we're not getting up the pitch, and then Son is off the pitch, it means Reguilón's not getting up the pitch, and it also means Son is not on the run when Bell gets the ball. Meaning Bell is hamstrung like twofold. That means that in that case we have to go down the right hand side, and what you know, to his benefit, Bell has done is he's brought Doherty a lot into that attacking play. Whenever Bell plays uh, 
with Doherty, they seem to have this kind of connection down that right-hand side and it works well attacking-wise. But again, because we're getting pinned back, that means Doherty and Bell aren't getting up the pitch. It, it, it essentially, Son going off alongside our approach completely hamstrings Bell, which means that the decision to take Bell off would have been the best thing for the team because we we could form a different kind of attack. Uh, for me, I don't know why Bergwijn wasn't on the bench because because if you're not going if you if you if you're playing if something like this happens where you're pinned back, then Bergwijn is 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 really good for that. Perhaps he's not playing well, but he's a really good option. And I think Lucas, who was probably our best player on the pitch, um, it's, it's almost damning with faint praise because no one was good. But the reason was because he was able to alleviate the pressure. And what Son does is is able to alleviate the pressure because he makes such good runs when Bell and Kane are looking for an out ball. So we really, really missed that. And then the decision to take off um, Ndombele um, and to take off Bale, but to keep Doherty on the pitch instead of bringing on Arie is, um, is puzzling. Because I think Arie's best defensive performances have been when we are kind of under pressure from a winger. When he's when he he played really well um, for the majority of the game in that first game against Liverpool against Mane, who's always a handful. He played really well against Sterling in the first game that we played against Man City. When whenever he's playing against a quick kind of sharp winger, I think he does well because he is he has to concentrate, and I think. I think he would have. I think he would have done a lot better than um, Doherty against the likes of Smith Rowe when Odegaard came out to the left hand side. When Tierney was, you know, charging down that Arsenal left, Tottenham right. It was, you know, we talk about sliding doors moments. Son, for instance, earlier on in the season where Son gets called offside against City, um, and we and we don't score that that goal, and then City go on to win the game. Um, and this is one of those moments because it does look like it does look like Son Son's injury is not too bad. He's going to miss the Zagreb game, but he might be back for Aston Villa. And it's a sliding doors moment. If Son doesn't go off, I think we do get up the pitch eventually in that first half, and our, we do work in our game plan. Um, but yeah, Jose fancies Lamella as a bit of uh, you know an attacking midfielder down the, down the centre. He shifts Lucas out to the wing who where I think Lucas hasn't been performing that well in that position. Um, so, yeah, I think, like you both said, Son's injury is kind of a linchpin moment of on the match because it completely changes the way we play. And, yeah, I think that's one of the main reasons we don't get a result on mm. Sunday. I think one of the things you mentioned, um, you said potentially Bale should have gone off earlier. It does raise this whole issue of um, when you have a player with that much stature, there, there is like a political element about like taking them off, and I feel like if Bale went off really early, then potentially we have trouble within the squad or something. Um, it's difficult to be honest, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's tough to talk about. I, I, I wonder, so, so how much blame do you apportion to Jose for this, and and how much is bad luck? I, I think a lot of things went wrong in the game that could have gone either way, in my opinion. So, Son being injured is one of them. Obviously, that's that's completely unlucky. I think conceding just before half-time 
that's another thing like that completely changes the game. Or was it just before half time? I think I think yeah. I think it was yeah. just before half time, yeah. So that completely changes the game. The penalty, in my opinion, is ridiculous. He's taken a shot and then kicked Sanchez. How on earth that is given as a penalty, I cannot believe it. But everyone that else is it not a penalty by modern day standards. That that is, as Jose would say, that is an insult to a penalty's name. That is an insult. We've but, seen bad penalties given this season, though. I think that's yeah. I, I think that's that's in line we've with seen worse. The, the bad penalties that we've been seeing given this season. We, yeah, we've even the David Luiz given. Oh, on it, to be honest with you, I I don't know what what penalty is anymore. I'm I'm. And you're well, a qualified I'm, referee, I'm, Glenn. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm 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 quite a high level qualified ref- referee, and I still don't know what a penalty is now. I, I look at a game, even even some of them against Arsenal, where I'm I'm completely biased against Arsenal. I'm looking at David Luiz one. I'm like, Jesus Christ, what's happening to football now? And then, and then obviously the Lamella red card. In my opinion, neither of them are yellow cards. Neither of them. I'm glad we're and, coming to this now because I got yeah, a bone to pick so, with Eddie from the WhatsApp yeah. chat. Yeah, Eddie, 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 Eddie thinks that the second one's definitely a yellow card. I had to resist calling Eddie a gooner. Nah, it's a yellow card. A the second one's a yellow card. Glenn, thank you. I'm glad you said it. I don't it. even think it's a foul. I, I, I didn't I think it was a foul think either. I, I think the ref couldn't wait to get to get his card out. I can, I can I, argue. I can someone, argue my point after you finish, though. I, I know I'm being okay, part. Let me let me just say what I yeah. Go on. I want I want to say yeah. I want to say what what I think as a. If someone gives that against me in Sunday League, I'm going nuts. As Even as a foul, you're putting your hand out to protect the ball and you hit him in the chest and it slides up to the guy's, the guy's like sort of shoulder region. It doesn't even go anywhere near his face. How is that a foul? I, I, I thought it did hit his face, but... He sort of like slides up to his shoulder, his neck sort of area. Mm. And then... The, the ref has already got his hand in his pocket That's the worst before part. he's blown the whistle. That's the worst part. I, 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 I think I the ref wanted it. to make that decision, personally. because I think, I think the ref wanted to send Lamella off because there was like an accumulation of sort of like little fouls and Lamella being Lamella and sort of getting about a bit. He wanted to send him off. I think yeah. that's Lamella's first ever red card for Spurs. I, I, I mean, he's probably deserved a few red cards, to be honest. But I, I, think, but, I think he's... Yeah, that one. This is my take on it, and I, I think it's broadly the same as yours, Glenn. It's just like I, I was thinking about it earlier when I was on a walk, and I and I, I thought back to when. Um, do you remember when um, Lamella got Martial sent off, and afterwards Oli Gunnar Solskjaer made that sarcastic comment where he's like, "Gonna need the operation on throat," whatever he said, yeah. <laughs> with his yeah, weird yeah. little voice. Um, I was I was feeling like Oli in that situation, in the sense that. I think if Lam- if Lamella means to clock Tierney in the face, he needs to join the UFC because that's an amazing awareness. To be able to no look punch someone in the face, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Like that's th- that you can't teach that. You can't like that's that's Muay Thai shit. Like that's move him onto the to the forward elbow and the guy's gonna be a killer. I, there's no way, there's no way he means to do that. I, I don't think. Um but yeah, Eddie, give I us the, yeah. the Gooner opinion. He's muted. Okay, He's muted. okay. Gooner opinion, all right. But okay, 
here's my thing. First, first tackle, perfect tackle. Gets the ball, gets the man. But listen, I don't know how, I don't know, you know, what, what referees think is a foul is what's not a foul. The first one is not a yellow card. All right. It was a good tackle. And I don't know, I don't know if football is becoming a non-contact sport anymore. I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't seen that in writing anywhere, but it looks like it is. So, in regards to in regards to the first tackle, just not just not a, a foul or a yellow card. The second one, the reason why I think it's a yellow card, and not because I have it out for Eric, is because I think um, it, in football and Lamella does this a lot. Of course, you're meant to protect the ball. You you, you use your hands to shield the ball, but even when players, you know, you know when players jump and. They use their arms to elevate. Those are also given as fouls, even though you're all you're doing is elevating yourself. You're not even trying to shield the ball or anything. You're just elevating yourself. People still give giving that as fouls. So what Lamella does, he does it often as well, is that he he now he already has a reputation of throwing his arm out or like shielding the ball in that way. I think it works against him in that sense because the referee thinks that he's he's elbowed the player. Now the reason why I think it's a yellow is because as much as you want to shield the ball, there's no reason for the arm to be this high. You can, like, the, the, it is, you know, it is, like, around that that area. It doesn't need to be that high. And I think if it, and yeah. if it is an elbow, and, and obviously the referee already, he gives a yellow card straight away, which I think is crazy. He should have at least let VAR take a look at it. But the thing is, if the arm is already at that height, then you're going to give it. And the thing is, and if you're given if you're given that as a foul, it's a yellow card. And that's why I think he goes to fill his like chest area on because Tierney's further behind him than he thinks. His arm continues going, and that's how he catches him. So I see that as an accident. And like I, I feel like if Lamella wasn't on the yellow, that doesn't get given as yellow. But probably does. does But he has a reputation already of doing that. And I and I think to myself. I think to, like I've I've always thought to myself when he does it like one of these days he's actually gonna he's actually gonna get in trouble for it and it's not necessarily yeah. because it's a bad thing it's not necessarily because he does it with malice but it's because of the action and I think it's gonna work against him at one point and it worked against him on the weekend and I think if it happens at any other time and he gets a yellow card and he has done in the past I'm kind of like yeah I guess so I guess so it's not yeah. awful and it might have even been an accident but it's gonna be given. And I think that's why the yellow, the yellow is going to be given. I think fine, a yellow, a second yellow and a red. I don't know. I don't know about that. It's, it's the practical. thing is, the, the thing is with a second yellow and a red, I'm pretty sure this is true, but I'm, I, I can I can be corrected by either of you or one of the listeners. I think that a second yellow can't be checked by VAR because it's a yellow card rather than a red card. So. Oh, it's just so frustrating that, that, that that's a thing. How can you check a red card but not a second yellow for a red? I think like, it can. I think I think no? when they get I, sent off, sure I think they can. they can. But let, look, let's sure let's can't. let's just let's put yeah. a pin in this because I yeah. I mean, I, I while it's annoying, it yeah, while it's annoying, I don't think it's like that entertaining to talk about refereeing decisions. Yeah. To be honest, and and Glenn, you got to go soon. Um, but I was thinking. Uh, one of the things which James Moore mentioned on the Athletics pod was it's a it's a crime. He's going to have to pretend that that Lamella Rabona never happened. I was wondering if uh, 
you guys feel like that because for me, I know some Spurs fans revere the Harry Kane goal <laughs> against Arsenal where we drew 2-2. Two, two. Um, yeah, when we had the seatbelt yeah, kit. Oh and, and people go on about it and they're like, oh, the atmosphere in the lane when that got, went in was so amazing. I literally, I can't watch that goal because it brings me pain because I think, what if we held on? So yeah. so, so that Lamella Rabona goal, I'm going to have to delete that from history as well. Yeah, I, I was I was at that Harry Kane moment game. And if we won that game, it would have been considered my favourite goal ever. But we we didn't win. We didn't win at the end of the day. And the same thing with Lamella. Lamella Lamella's Rabona in the Europa League is still one of my favourite goals to this day. Because I was at that game and I saw it going. I was like, what's he just done? <laughs> but this 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 yeah, it's can be it's been completely tainted by our performance. Him being sent off and off losing. Maybe if we'd drawn, Eddie's muted. We can't put clips of that draw ever, ever. No, no, because we, we lost the game. Can't. We lost the game. Mm. If we drawn we lost the game, the game. In, in, yeah. If we drawn the game in the last minute, like like a Harry, the Harry Kane free kick goes in, or David Sanchez takes a touch and decides to actually be be composed for once in his life, <laughs> like, <laughs> and, we, and we draw the game. I'm, I might consider it one of my favourite goals ever because we've like sort of battled back to draw the game, but now I can't even consider it in my memory. Harry Kane, it's thought, such an amazing goal. I thought Harry Kane had a had a weird game because I think he was quite isolated for most of it, and arguably you could say poor. Sometimes some of his touches were just terrible but that spirit he showed under 10 men i i thought he really redeemed himself i don't know what you guys thought, I yeah. thought quality that free kick that such a shame that that sanchez doesn't put that in on the rebound but like he he was like i don't watch the nba but like you know you know those like clutch players he, he reminded mm-hmm. me of that and ultimately it didn't come off but um i think he he really stepped up i think um I think what what um, Kane represents now for the club is a, like a model player, and I think he definitely does that. Where he's like, he he he, car- he he picks the team up when we're down. He 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 acts as a focal point. And I think, look, the game didn't turn out the way we wanted it to, but it's just one of those performances where you think, yes, Lloris is our club captain, but on the pitch, I think Kane definitely has that kind of that that captain's attitude and I think we've got different players like that I think um Javier is definitely a very vocal player and likes to shepherd the team coach the team through the game I think Larice has the best obviously the best view on the pitch and I think Larice is is behind the scenes a good captain when it comes to the players I think he has a good relationship with the players I definitely think Harry Kane the reason why he fools so many people is because on the pitch he he's definitely got that that captain's mentality and I think, yeah, if that if that free kick goes in, different story. If you know, so many things happen. If that penalty doesn't get given, different story. Again, sliding doors moments. I think the the game overall, we didn't deserve to win. So the fact that we didn't win is something that I can't argue against. But I think there are players that the only players that like can walk off that pitch, um, saying the card I tried. I think are him and Lucas. Um, and and Lamella to some point, but obviously, you know, he wasn't so responsible Lamella. in his position. That's yeah. what that's what I can say. Yeah, and also Kane had that dis that disallowed goal as well. Glenn, I know I know Glenn's got to go right now, but Glenn, 
Glenn, I don't know yeah, if you yeah. have any last words on the, the Kane performance. No, I, I, I just think it was it was really a kind of like a look into the future where we have Kane as captain. There's massive rumours about Lloris going to PSG in the summer. I think obviously having Kane as our, our club captain next year is a no-brainer. And Hoybears, even though he didn't have the best, I'd say he didn't have the best 80 minutes. The first 80 minutes, he was really, really poor. But then the last 10 minutes, he really showed that sort of like winner's attitude and like drive to at least get something from the game because he was like picking players up. He was clattering their players every time they were looking to go on the break. He was picking up the ball sort of with urgency and looking for fouls, creating fouls um, off their players and sort of bringing us up the pitch. I think them two really in the future could be sort of the club captain, club vice captain pair maybe next year possibly if Lloris has to go. Mm, yeah, I think. But yeah, much like Larice, Glenn has to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. On 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 that point, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna have to head off, boys. All right, thanks for joining us, Glenn. It's been thanks a pleasure. As always. I'll speak to you soon. All right, bye bye. See you, Glenn. All right, Eddie. I, I think we might as well come on to um, our little Zagreb preview. Uh, I don't know if there's any last thing. I feel, I feel like we've covered all the all the Arsenal stuff, really. Yeah, I think. Um... I think what I did want to say is that, um, again, what me and Jed talked about post-game uh, when we were both ranting at each other um, was that um, the approach to their game kind of goes back to the points that we're making at the beginning. Um, there was this kind of ongoing theory. Is it Mourinho? Is it the players? When it comes to our approach to the game, are we playing the way Mourinho wants to play? And is this sort of the result? Or... Uh, are our players naturally dropping back um, for whatever reason? And I think the game on the weekend, it shows that it's not one or the other, but a mixture of the two. Because I think Glenn's right, and I think you agreed that the initial 10-15 minutes was an approach. We didn't want to concede early, so we stood off a bit and we allowed them to have the ball because we felt that we could, we could, you know, defend. And although we got away with some like pretty close shaves, we, you know, first 10, 15 minutes, we did do that. And um, I think the fact that after those 10, 15 minutes, we didn't get up the pitch shows that it's not just an approach. I think, I don't think the thing is, I don't think Mourinho also, I don't think Mourinho says go out and, and play and if we concede, we concede. Yeah, I think that there is there is a method to there's the madness. A, there's a fear. Yeah, I mean, there's always there's always going to be that there's there's always going to be that. Uh, do, you th- do you think he kind of breeds a sort of neuroticism into the players? I think so. I think so. Not in a, a negative sense, but definitely in a, in the sense that like you have to you have to have that kind of that that fear because because obviously the 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 mantra of the club. And the, the club's identity has never been about conservative football. And mm. I think that is sort of at odds with Mourinho and his approach. And I think the, his brand of neuroticism um, and our approach as a football club are bound to clash in a way. But I think, um, I think the, it, it, gave me, it gave me the, the, the opinion that 
the way the way that we've sat sat off in that game and the way that we've sat off in other games is down more to the players and and that 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 neuroses um is like it's it's kind of taken over there they're really too they are too scared to to leave themselves you know ones and twos and threes at the back yeah the one thing i would say and- about that is that i I do feel like there's only so many times Jose can use that excuse as like, I don't tell the players to do this because once it gets to like the eighth game of them doing it, then it's kind of like, like, what are we paying you for, mate? Like you're the manager. And it's something which I hate seeing at other clubs. When I see someone say this at other clubs, I know their manager is finished when they say, I would sell all the players. It's not the it's not the manager's fault. It's the players' fault. Like you see, people say it. For example, probably they were saying it about um, Sheffield United. Yeah, if it's all the players' fault, and and they're against the manager. That why why do you even have a manager? Like, think about a manager's sure. role in football. Yeah. The most basic sense is to manage players <laughs> and make sure that they play well. So it's, clearly, if all the players aren't listening to them, then something's going wrong. And um, yeah, so. It's a weird one for me because, you know, instinctively, I'm not, I've never really been like that Jose out. And like some people could say, some of our listeners might even think that I'm a bit of a fence sitter in that sense. But for me, I always, I just always try and support Tottenham. For me, like, I want to support the club as much as possible. For context, the only times I've turned on managers was Sherwood because... The guy was a nobody. I hated his attitude. And not only was he a nobody, but he said, um, after he'd been caretaker for three games, it's not about if the if the job is right for Tottenham, it's about the job is right for Tim Sherwood. Who are you? Who are like I'm still I'm still angry about that. I'm still I'm still I just think of that interview and I get angry straight away. Like uh, uh, bear in mind, I was probably only like fifteen <laughs> at, at that at that stage. Like, the psychology behind that behind that statement. It, it it just it snapped something snapped at me when he said that and I just felt like we had this imposter in charge of Tottenham Hotspur the whole Sherwood era so I hated him the whole time the other time was Harry Redknapp when he twerked for the England job yeah, I said twerking for England. I said if we don't finish in the Champions League this year I will never support England again and that's that's my Eddie, you like these these superhero movies? That's my my Joker origin story. Is that your Joker moment? That's my yeah, Joker moment. Story. That's that's why I don't like talking about the international break on this pod because because of Harry Redknapp being an absolutely egotistical nuts. dickhead. So those are the only two managers I've ever gone against, and um, you know, like I, I've said on the pod before, I like Jose. I, I I genuinely like him as a person. He has his flaws. Um definitely has his flaws but like he's very charismatic obviously me and my dad met him outside the Tottenham star that's left a little uh, effect you know might might get him on the pod one day you know um but yeah but I've gone on a massive tangent now I don't even know what we we're talking about before then <laughs> I'm just 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 talking about how with, with managers he can't keep using the same um excuse that it's not the manager's mm. approach us sitting yeah. back and I think Jed made exactly the same point you did he said that if we do it so often then is it the players are completely not listening to Jose or is that the approach and I think that's that's the two sides of that argument yeah yeah definitely and I feel like the reason I went in that on that tangent is because I feel like some people 
put their own ego in the sense that they thought that Jose Mourinho wasn't a good appointment ahead of supporting the club, that will always annoy me. That, that will just always annoy me. Like some people being against the appointment from day one and it feels like they want Tottenham to lose. I find that so frustrating. Well, I think we're going to get cut off. Uh, so maybe we'll put a pin in that argument for another day when we have the rest of the pod in. Hello and welcome back to part two of the N17 podcast. Um, yeah, me and Eddie were just chatting off air there about the fact we're, we're playing Dino Zagreb on Thursday and we're about to play a manager, a, a team who've lost their manager because he's been imprisoned. If this is not the most Europa League thing ever, <laughs> this, this foolishness is still happening in the last 16. We thought we'd left it behind us with the qualifying rounds, followed us into the group stage. And then now, it, 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 if anything, it's going up levels every single round that we yeah, progress. I think, I, think, I think it's because if you look at the, the profile of the club, if if this happened in the 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 earlier stages of the tournament, they would have only been siphoning off a couple hundred thousand, or maybe even not even half a mil. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But this guy, this guy has has siphoned off more than ten million. Yeah. yeah, we were just looking at it off air. He's um, siphoned off thirteen point four million in transfer fees uh, into his own pocket, which. It's just crazy, but um, yeah. So it's safe to say that Dinamo are going to be in in disarray. You would think, um, because they're now managerless. You don't know what that does to a team. I've never heard of that ever in my life. <laughs> what are you saying? It might motivate them. Yeah, it might be like we 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 we've become unshackled from a manager who was uncertain about his future, whether he'd be going to prison or continuing as our manager. <laughs> But what, what are, you saying, are you saying that if Mourinho got jailed before the Arsenal game, you would have fancied our chances more? Uh, well, it depends. If Sacramento took over, who knows? But I, I, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not gonna take my chances. I think Mourinho losing his job compared to uh, I, I've actually forgotten his name. Z- Zoran really Mamic, I think. Yeah, Zoran Zoran Mamic losing his job. Compared to Mourinho losing his job, I think has different uh, <laughs> different returns. Let's say. Yeah, you would hope so. You would hope so. I I know Jed listening to this is is he would advocate Jalen Jose Mourinho if he could. I think. Yeah. Obviously, although, he's not although, here to defend his name. But exactly, I think Jed's going to hear this now, and just like last week, he's going to be in uproar that we've we've mentioned him, and <laughs> it, it, it's a no context Jed Watson. <laughs> you know, we we should do like a phone a friend every time we slander Jed. We should like get him get him yeah. here to defend his honor. But um, yeah. So so we're going into this game two 0 up on aggregate. Um, Joseph Mourinho said that uh, Kane is set to start or at least play a role. What do you think of that? Um, it's similar to what we saw in in a uh, in um. The City game yesterday, although I'm sure you probably didn't watch because they're probably the most boring team to watch at the moment, just because they're so slick um, and and just impossible to beat, apart from when they play United. But that's neither here nor there. Um, it, it's it's a case of it's a two legged tie, and weirder things have happened, stranger things have happened in Europe where a team has gone up two 0 they're comfortable. 
and then suddenly you know you take your foot off the pedal and you don't have a, a professional approach and it's either closer than you would expect or you get taken to even something like extra time which at this stage of the season you know we, we don't need any more football to play and I know we're out of the the FA Cup which obviously takes out at least four to five games you know out of our out of our calendar but we still got the the, the cup finals to play capital uh capital what is it Carabao Cup and we've still got Europa League to play we've still got the next is it 10 game no nine games in the ten, Premier League 10 games 10 games Okay, yeah, we've still got 10 games to play in the Premier League. So we've still got a lot of football to play before the European Championships. And I think you just don't want to add extra time to any of those kind of games, to be honest. And so I think it's going to be a same, the similar kind of approach. We early goals and just try and kill the game off early because as, as, <laughs> as strange as Europa League is, I don't think Zagreb are going to score four without reply. Uh, if we if we even score one more goal, so um, yeah, I think I think the reason why he's going to start with Kane and perhaps some other some other first teamers is just to give us that kind of platform to kill the game off early. I don't suspect he'll play more than sixty minutes if mm-hmm. he starts, or, or or more than thirty minutes if he doesn't. Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier. Yeah. Like the chance, like if they actually got the first goal. You would start to worry a little bit, I think. I think all Spurs fans just have that in their DNA. So it's definitely within our interest to like finish off the game early, if possible. Um, another thing is uh, he, uh, Jose in the press conference has spoke about Lo Celso potentially coming back. Um, I don't have the quotes to hand, but paraphrasing, he sort of said that it's going to kind of give some people a kick up the arse in terms of competition for places. Um I think Lo Celso could make a big difference since we're running, personally. I think um, I think he's very good. It's, it's good that he's coming into fitness now because it's not that we are suffering from a great number of injuries, but it's because he can actually play different roles. I don't think he's I don't think he's providing pressure to just one player. I don't think I don't think he's only uh, um, in immediate. Um, you know, immediate kind of uh, competition. He could be competition for attacking midfield. It could be competition for anyone behind Kane. To be honest, anyone behind Kane in that in that attacking three and um, and in in the double pivot because he was playing deeper uh, last season. Um, so I think, I, and and I also think he can even be um, competition to change you know our formation. And so it's not necessarily. Um, that he's just, you know, his his arrival um, back into the first team is just to um, be another attacking um, option. I think he gives us a different element. I think obviously we've we've come to begin a love affair with Ndombele, and rightly so because he's just been one of our most glorious talents to like watch over the last season, and we knew that we hadn't he had it in him. But we just know the Celso's qualities. He's a hard worker. He can carry the ball. He's very creative, and he's he's. I, I think he knits the team really well when he is playing, and he has that bit of Argentinian grit that we see from like the likes of Lamella and a lot of Argentinian imports. I think that he just has that kind of yeah, just kind of like that warrior 
um, facet to him that, you know, he's good for us as well and, and loves a tackle. Um, so I think he's good for the team. And if he gets into fitness um, in, in this part of the season, it will be very useful for us. What are you predicting going into the game then? Um, I'm predicting a pretty similar game to the first leg. I don't think Zagreb um, posed too much of a of a threat going forward. I don't think I really registered them as an attacking threat. Um, but of course, anything can happen. Um, but I'm not expecting a, a very interesting game. I think we get two goals in the first half and, and then the game's done. But um, we'll see Aria come back into the side. I think that's pretty much a given at this point. I do kind of... Well, I wouldn't mind seeing Doherty start again, just so that Aria is back in our Premier League team. Mm. Um, because we're kind of seeing, you know, one plays one game, one plays the other game. And is this? I, I usually do. I do this in FIFA, and like where 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 like I switch, I rotate my fullbacks. And then there's one time where I just play the same set of fullbacks twice, so that I can get the other fullbacks in for the next game. Because that's yeah. when you want them to play. That. I think. Aries are our best right back. Um, so I think he should be starting in the Premier League, especially in the game that feels kind of like a dead rubber. Mm. Um, but it remains suppose... to be seen because we've got the international break after next. Yeah. The next. I suppose because Aurier's been, been injured, like you could, um, you could say that he needs the fitness. So maybe he could play Thursday for, I don't know, 60, 70 minutes and then bring him off. Um, try and play him in the Premier League, but yeah, I agree. I think um, you know, Doherty he had a like a little bit of an improvement, but he's just not looking good at the moment. He's looking really low on confidence, to be honest. Um, but yeah, he's a confidence thing, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But um, yeah, I can I, I can see Zagreb giving us a little bit of a, of a scare, but I think ultimately our quality will shine through. I, I, I'm going to go with like a 3-1 to us. I reckon I might get a goal. Mm. But um, I would like to see a clean sheet though, personally. After the oh, after yeah. the, the weekend, I think Mourinho might actually, you know, really appreciate a clean sheet. Mm. We might, you know, might be in that kind of mindset. Yeah. I think yeah. Sissoko might play thing, like, something like that. I reckon Sissoko is going to play. Mm. I reckon perhaps Winks is going to play and that's immediately a more defensive midfield yeah and then after that we've got Villa on Sunday um they're actually they're 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 really like not on good form um I say that having googled their scores um rather than watching them every week but the fact is is that they're coming off the back of two points from three games um one of those results was losing to a 10-man Sheffield United before Chris Wilder ultimately walked out on them um the caveat to that is Grealish might come back so mm-hmm. for me I think this is a this is a winnable game and just after that we is the is the international break straight after Villa or is it a week after that um I think it might be after Villa I think okay. it might be because after, after that we have Newcastle not so, viable so, but yeah. either way after that, we have Newcastle. So I kind of think Villa and Newcastle are two quite winnable games. They're games we should be aiming to win, especially if we want to get top four and with games running out. Um, yeah, how are you feeling going into this? 
Um, yeah, I'm feeling... I, I'm always scared to be optimistic because Spurs have a propensity to let me down when I'm optimistic. Um, but I think, yeah, like you said, they're two winnable games. And I think if you're looking at our run-in, um, you know, when we were saying that we had five winnable games and, we, you know, we did win all five. I think if they were in the run-in in case of, in, instead of any of those other teams, we would have still said there's a winnable one of five games. I think... Newcastle are simply the most average team in the in the league, and and I really really dislike. I, I have I have a very strong feelings about Newcastle. Yeah, um, you do, you do. It surprises me sometimes because I feel <laughs> indifferently towards them. But I'm really there's even like a sniff of Steve Bruce in the air. You go, you go mad. Okay, Farrell. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I think you hate the guy. I think it's I think it's because I think it's I really think it's because um, I look at. Uh, I look at Spurs and we've always had a, a kind of identity of playing good football. And then at home, my dad supports City. He's been supporting City. They play beautiful football. And obviously Chelsea are, are a high-profile club and, and, and they've played some great football over the years. And so I've That's been... That's who your, your brother supports, by the way. Yeah, my just, brother. Just yeah. the listeners at home, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've been treated to some just really good football. And the approach that Steve Bruce has and Newcastle um, by proxy is just, it's so anti-football. Like it, it, it literally takes away from what I love about football. And and whenever we play them, I feel like my energy has been sucked dry. Hmm. And like, yeah, just, I really have strong feelings. And, and the reason why I felt so strongly about them this season is because they're stopping the likes of Fulham um, from state from from being safe this season, and 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 because they've just been getting like results, uh, where you, you know Newcastle have been getting some results when they've really needed them, but not mm. in any kind of fashion where I think they deserve to stay in the Premier League. Whereas a team like Fulham, who I really appreciate, and I appreciate that Scott Parker puts a lot of trust in young players and they play some good football. If they get relegated, but Newcastle stay in the Premier League, I'd I'd be so upset. So I hope we smash them for that matter. <laughs> I feel like they're a little bit like Sunderland in the sense their rivals, obviously, in the sense that do you remember when Sunderland were in the league for God knows how long, and every single yeah. like they were irrelevant every single year. Like no one knew how they were surviving, but they just kept surviving. Like for some reason, I, I don't know what I googled to find this, but I found something about. Dick Advocat keeping them up. Like, do you remember Dick mm. Advocat being a Premier League manager? Because I don't. Like, this this is the like they had this carousel of managers who just kept keeping them up, and then they they were ultimately not good enough, so they would get sacked, and then they just bring someone else in to keep them up. Um, kind of feel like Newcastle was a little bit like that, but probably even more boring. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, Villa like Villa were playing some really good stuff this season. Um, yeah. I feel like especially when Grealish was fit, uh, him and Watkins up front was always an exciting prospect. But um looks like he might be back, but we don't know. It's a bit of a mystery what's gone on with him. Um, yeah. But yeah, we we should win. But there was there was a time when they were looking like outside shouts for the top four. It was always, with Villa, it was always if, can they, top can four, they top six. Yeah, it was always a case of can they sustain it over a season? Mm. And it just goes to show like when you have someone who's so talismatic, uh, talismanic uh, like um, like Grealish is for, for Villa, 
if at any point he's unavailable, if he's injured or for whatever reason he's unavailable. They just look like a very completely different team. And it's not to say that they only, you know, Grealish is the only good player in that team. Barkley has quality, El Ghazi has quality, Traore has quality, and uh, Watkins is quite, quite uh, very good. And I think Cash is a good right back, and I think they've got two good centre backs. So all across the pitch, even McGinn, I think he's, he's he's a good player as well. And all across the pitch, they've got quality. But I think because he's their captain and because he's so influential, um, whenever he's not playing, they look like a completely different animal. Whether he's fit or not, to to play. Uh, against us is something like obviously with a player coming back from injury are they going to be fit to play at the level what they were before they got injured that's a question um, but I also just think that if we were to play Aston Villa at any point this season it would be now um, mm. compared to when this fixture was meant to go ahead which is when just before they had the coronavirus outbreak uh, or just after, I can't remember. Anyway, this was around that time and they were flying before that. So mm. I think if we if we were to pick a time to play Aston Villa, it would be now where they've fallen off and, and they've kind of assumed a role that people thought they would um, over the course of the season. But look, they have quality and they have players that can hurt us. Like just as, in a similar way that Calvert-Lewin it just seemed to really, really... Um, be able to get at us um, because of his physicality and because he's not slow despite his uh, height. I think Watkins is the same. I think he's definitely the kind of striker that causes someone like Davison Sanchez a bunch of problems. Um, and I think we have to be careful. Um, but aside from that, I don't think they really have a lot of things that we should be too worried about. I think there's a, that midfield is something that we can definitely... Um, take control of, especially if Ndombele and, and Hoybier are both playing. And I think, you know, obviously, man for man, I think we just have the quality over them. It's whether or not um, they kind of impose themselves, obviously, with Mings and, and Konsa, if if, that, if that's what the pairing that they go with. Very solid. And Target is a, a solid left-back as well. So it might be a tight game, which, as long as we get the three points, I really don't care. Yeah, definitely. Um and I feel that's that's just about us uh, in terms of um, yeah what we've covered. I feel we had a question, we had a few questions about they they mostly pertain to they're all about Mourinho. So I almost feel like we kind of covered them through through the chat. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's that's a good place to end it. So um, yeah, if you made it this far, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for supporting the pod. Um, follow us on Twitter at N Seventeen Pods and um, yeah, as always, leave a review support us actually do you know what do you know what i want to do do you know what i want to do for the people who are um following us on twitter is i've started to tweet a little bit more on the on the account and i want to see if the listeners can tell the difference between when (laughs) you're tweeting and when i'm tweeting because that would actually be hilarious um Mm. and uh yeah just just to get an idea i wonder what the differences are you know That'll be interesting. Yeah, I'll, uh, to be fair, yeah. Because actually, when I logged into um, our Twitter account, our socials, because because I, I follow a lot less people on my personal, like it's mad seeing like tweets come every minute and it's all about football, mostly. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, wow, this is like a whole community um, that I really have a lot of appreciation for because like any community, it's just like people who love football and in particular love Spurs. Um, so yeah uh, 
just uh, we're gonna engage with you guys a lot more on on the socials yeah definitely yeah give us a shout all right that's us thank you for listening